I'm Carrie Miller. Thanks so much for catching my book interviews on the podcast. Each week we dip into our archives and we add a deep track. This week's Friday Big Books and Bold Ideas interview is with Anne Hood. She's now a novelist, but her first job out of college in the late 70s was as a flight attendant, and she thought she'd landed the sweetest, most glamorous gig ever. For Anne, it was all about seeing the world, which is why we're pairing that interview with a show about traveling for experience, not checklists. Our December 2015 guests, Christine Sarkis, a writer for Smarter Travel, and Seth Kugel, then the frugal traveler for the New York Times, told us to throw out the lists and roam the world with an open heart and curious mind. Here are Christine and Seth. Good morning, I'm Carrie Miller, and this is NPR News. This hour, why it may be time to skip that bucket list. After the midterm elections, my advisors asked me, Mr. President, do you have a bucket list? And I said, well, I have something that rhymes with bucket list. (laughs) President Obama earlier this year at the White House Correspondents' Dinner with a rather unusual interpretation of bucket list, but many of us do have them. It's an experience you want to have before you can't. Today we're talking about whether you should kick your bucket list, and I want to hear what you think about that. What's at the top of your bucket list, and why is it there? And here's the important part of this question. What does that bucket list item reveal about you? I mean, there's a reason that it's at the top. I've been getting a lot of great tweets on this this morning. Now I want you to think a little more deeply about it. What does it say about you? 800-242-2828-651-227-6000. And I'm on Twitter, at Carrie, K-E-R-R-I-M-P-R. Christine Sarkis is with us. She's a staff writer for Smarter Travel. She wrote a story headlined, Why I'm Ditching My Bucket List. We have a link to it. And she's with us today from Boston. Hey, Christine. Hi. How are you? Hey, great to be here. It's really good to have you. Seth Kugel is with us. He's a freelance journalist, travel writer who writes the Frugal Traveler column for the New York Times. And he's with us today from Cambridge, Mass. And Seth, great to have you back on the show. How have you been? I've been great. looks like everybody's in Massachusetts today, except for you guys. (laughs) That's right. And I assume it's cold there, like it is here in the Twin Cities. So that's why we all... Snow and and sleet. I know. That's why we all want bucket lists right there. Uh, Christine, I so my theory about this, and, and I'm sure you have one too about bucket lists, is there is something very comforting about having a bucket list. It's like... Look, I've let my imagination roam. I've ordered the things that I really want to do, and I'm going to work my way through it before I call it quits on this planet. Why do you think so many of us have them? I think I think you're absolutely right. I think there is something essentially comforting about lists in general. Um, and I think that just giving a bucket list sort of gives you the space to to really sit down and think about what you want to see in the world. Um but for me, um, I think it's that, that the idea of that when I travel, I'm pulled by curiosity and beauty and the sweet promise of adventure. 
And so the idea of a bucket list is just a little morbid. But, you know, that said, the idea of a list, I'm all for lists. (laughs) You know, Seth, I I was also thinking that the the bucket list is like a mirage in a way. You know, it kind of shimmers on the horizon there. It's Mm -hmm. like, this is the kind of person I am. And when I work my way through my bucket list, I'll be so fulfilled and enriched. What's your theory about bucket lists? Uh, well, it's anything that helps people organize their travel and motivates them and helps them save money and, and look for the time to travel is, is great. And if it works for them, it's great. I, I think that the problem with the bucket lists we make is that they tend to be uh, to things that maybe not be might not be as great as we think they are. So, you know, for example, if you really want to see, I mean, it's a stupid example, but if you really want to see the Mona Lisa, yeah, you know, anyone who's been to see the Mona Lisa, it's, it's almost a, a caricature of a, <laughs> of a tourist attraction because you have to fight <laughs> your way through a true. billion people and then you end up and see it. So, I mean, I think that the idea of having a list is, is great, uh, but I think what goes on that list, uh, should maybe we should change a little bit. It should be maybe experiences instead of places, maybe. Yeah, and, and I mean, Seth, this is exactly what I'm getting at when I ask for our listeners to say, and then what does this say about you? Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there is a sort of theory around travel that that we actually we go to places so that other people know that we've been there. Hmm. You know, oh hmm. yes, well when I was in Rome, you know, <laughs> it's great to drop that into a conversation. But what we should really be thinking about is, of course, what we want to do and what's going to fulfill us and help us grow and all that kind of stuff. So, so definitely, in in my experience, traveling it's never been the big attraction that's been the most fun thing, or it's really uh, 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 it's the adventure. It's having unexpected things happen. And, but you can make a bucket list that's kind of, that kind of goes along those lines. You can say, hey, I want to really be comfortable in a small town in Italy or something like that and, right. and, and go there for a month and have the, have the guy at the shop know my name. I mean, that's a pretty good item for a bucket list, to have a small shop, shopkeeper in a little town in Italy know your name. That's great. That is such a great idea. Christina, I think it, ta- it, I, I think it takes a certain amount of courage to do what Seth just said, to say, you know, I'm going to go to Venice because it's on my bucket list, but I'm not going to wade through the millions of people, you know, at the in San Marco Square, you know, or something like that to really drill down to what is that experience that I want to have, not just what is that thing I want to see to check off the list. Absolutely. I agree. I think that um, when you're when you're somewhere, especially in a place where a lot of people are going, um, the best thing you can do, a traveler's best compass is curiosity and openness. And mm-hmm. sometimes that means ditching the, you know, the, the big name attractions. Uh, in Venice, I actually um, did exactly that. And I ended up finding a company that taught traditional Venetian rowing. Wow. Um, which was way out of the city center. Um, <laughs> I did it. It was an amazing, amazing experience. I wrote about it. I got great pictures. It was such a fun thing. And, you know, but it meant, it meant trading that for... Um, you know, visiting some of the some of the more notable attractions. But to me, it was absolutely worth it. And and when you come back, I mean, you travel a lot, Christine, but when you come back and people go, what you didn't do fill in the blank, (laughs) you're like, no, but I did that. And that spoke to me. And that was really important. Exactly, exactly. And I think if you go to the places and do the things you're most sort of intrigued and excited about, you're setting yourself up to the, for absolute success. You know, 
you can't you can't really seek the unexpected, but by doing things that are not the necessarily the expected things, you can open yourself up to this possibility of wonder. And for me, I think that's the sweet spot of travel. I agree. To the let, let me gra- grab a call here from Lisa in Minneapolis. Lisa, how did you do you have a bucket list? Uh yes, I do. Tell and me. I decided to work on it last summer when I had a major car accident and walked away without a scratch. Wow. And I said, that's a sign. I got to do it. Uh, a few weeks later, I got an email about a tour to Iceland. And when I was in fifth grade, <laughs> I read a story about Iceland, and I've wanted to go there ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, this is karma. And I wanted to see the northern lights. And, you know, I just, I had to do it. And so I did. And, um, I, I kind of had the experience that you were just describing because the Northern Lights didn't really want to come out and play. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I had decided, you know, as long as I'm going there, I should do all kinds of things. And I ended up going to an ice cave, which is created uh, over the summer when the water rushes out the bottom of a glacier. And then in the wintertime, you can go in there and explore. Cool. And it was amazing. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Wow. And yet... When I started my planning my trip, I had no idea such a thing even existed. You know, Lisa, you know what I really like about this, too, is I know this was the bucket list was created after a major frightening experience. But you know what I really like? You tapped into curiosity that was peaked as a in fifth grade. Right. <laughs> that is so great. You held this image kind of in your mind for years. And then you went back to that. And when I'm going to fulfill that, that's cool. <laughs> It was, and it was fabulous. <laughs> that's really great. Seth, I mean, that I think that's uh, what she's doing is something that I love about bucket lists, which is they're the fulfillment of imagination that comes to you from a lot of, you know, subconscious, conscious, things that you thought about as a kid. That's a neat part about this. Uh, I mean, I completely agree. Travel is all about stories, right? And, right. and for example, I did a report on the Galapagos Islands when I was a kid, and I, I haven't been there, and I still really want to go. And I think that not that experience is going to be improved just from the fact I've been thinking about it for, you know, three-plus decades. Yeah, the anticipation of that? But also, Yes, but also the idea that the North, I was as soon as she mentioned the Northern Lights, I was going to say, uh-oh, but you can't always see the Northern Lights. You know, I was in Iceland, too, and I didn't see the Northern Lights because it was cloudy, you know. And uh, as long as you're ready for that sort of thing. I mean, in my experience, the best time always comes after something goes wrong. And you're really disappointed, but then, or you get lost, for example. Uh, And then great things just tend to happen um, completely, you know, almost out of nowhere. Uh, Mike says on Twitter, heading to Easter Island in February, and not to uh, not to be mocked by Seth here, but I've been there, and it's amazing. So I, I know, Mike, you're going to have a good idea. Went to Egypt, Turkey, Greece this year, wanderlust in the veins. Corey says, Spain, Tour de France vacation, Japan, New Zealand, Alaska. And if you've just tuned in and you're hearing me talk about all these great destinations, we're talking about bucket lists. Now, I will warn you that one of our guests believes you ought to kick the bucket list. Mm -hmm. But I'm also asking you this morning about what's at the top of your bucket list. And most importantly, this is what I'm really curious about you. What does it say about you? So think about that. What's at the top of the list and then what it reveals about you to yourself and to us. 
800-242-2828-651-227-6000. Talk to me about it on Twitter at Carrie NPR. To Paul in Mora. Hey, Paul. Hi. Well, hi. Good hi. morning. Hi. I'm a first-time caller. I'm glad you did. Thanks. Yes. And uh, Jan and I, who's from Ogilvy, a retired school teacher, does all the planning. And uh, we are out of the country. I shouldn't tell you this, but about three months out of the year, we do two major trips and then one in the winter. And uh, we are going this spring now, a transatlantic, which is our 15th transatlantic in the last eight years. And we're going to head up to Switzerland Wow! from Rome. And I haven't been there for for the last time was fifty years ago. Aboard a ship, you're doing this? Well, oh yeah, the transatlantic. Geez, that's great. But they're very good. But it's Jan who is is the instigator of where we should go. Like a couple of years ago, we went to the Baltic Stakes, and um, oh, we just travel a lot. People but, always ask, "Where have you been? And where are you going?" And we have to fill in the blanks and. I, I wish you well on the trip, Paul. I mean, that sounds like a wonderful trip. I appreciate you calling. To Brian, uh, on a farm in northern Minnesota. Brian, what, you're calling us between the milking sessions there, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I listened to NPR on my little headset, and I uh, thought I'd call in and say hi. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Talk to me about your bucket list. Yeah, well, I just thought I'd have kind of a, um, what, unconventional way of framing things. There's a couple bucket list items of mine. One is to not be eaten by a mountain lion, yeah. and the other is to not die in an African <laughs> traffic accident. Um, and uh-huh. I've done a lot of backpacking in southern Africa, uh, well, I guess East Africa, too. Uh, lived in the western United States, did a lot of hiking and camping and stuff, and I think kind of framing it in that way, like, those are the things I don't want to do, but kind of everything up to that point uh, could be really, really Oh, great. I like uh, that. Has been very okay. helpful to me. Yeah, so you want to be in those places, be doing stuff that's adventurous, and just stop shy of being eaten by a mountain lion. Yeah, that's the line I don't want to cross. All right. I I can uh, get behind that, Brian. Thanks for the call. Okay, Christine, you're hearing all these great bucket list items. How can you now come to us and say, skip the bucket list? What's the story? Well, I have to say, I'm a list maker by nature, so I'm not at all opposed to the idea of a list. Yeah. But I have to say that, like... As a, a travel list um, isn't like a grocery list. It's not a sit down and get it done thing. Um, it's a it's an evolving, constant project, right? And I think that sometimes bucket lists get a little static. Um, so I like this idea of an adventure list. Um, they are it's 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 reframing. I'd actually reframed it because uh, my son asked my three year old son asked asked if we could go to uh, Australia with like two days notice. And so I saw that he was clearly um, ready for a bucket list, but I didn't want to have to talk to him about the source, the sort of the origin of the bucket list name. <laughs> yeah. um, so we started an adventure book. And the visual I get with an adventure book is a story that I'm writing with my travels. It's chapters I'm planning ahead to, memories that I'll bring back and carry with me for a lifetime. And the other thing I like about the idea of an adventure list rather than a bucket list is that it's less individual and more geared toward something that you can share with those that you commonly travel with, whether it's your family or a friend. They can be a shared work, um, which I think is so, so cool and so reflective of the way many of us travel. 
So you see, so the I, I get the thing about not wanting to tell your son that, oh, it's about doing this before you die. <laughs> but you really think of the adventure list as what, more encompassing, more optimistic than the bucket list? I don't really see the difference, to be honest. I mean, it's it's semantics, right? Yeah. But, uh, but when, uh, when you're hanging out with a, a very language acquisition-y three-year-old, it's all semantics. <laughs> um, but I do, I like, I like the idea of reframing it as something that's positive, because to me, travel is positive. Travel mm-hmm. is optimistic. Travel is curiosity embodied. Um, and I think, you know, I think the name of the place that you store your aspirations matters. Yeah. Seth, what do you, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I completely agree. I, I've always found bucket list, the, the phrase to be a little bit depressing. Um, and as long as it's a flexible list and it's all about experiences instead of about actual places, um, yeah, I don't, I actually don't really care what you call it. <laughs> and I love the idea of an adventure book that has a, a, a past, a present, and a future as opposed to just being a list that gets smaller and smaller as you, as you, as you go along. This, the, the adventure book gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter here, uh, a listener says, my problem with the bucket list is that people think they can put them off until they're old. Missed point. Don't put it on a list. Just go. Seth. Yeah, I think that is a yeah. pretty good point. That's a great. I mean, that's a great point. You you have to. I mean, that's, I, I have a big list in my phone of things I need to do. And I can tell you that like 80 percent of them have been there for over a year. Really? And uh, I don't see them ever happening. So uh, I, I completely agree. I mean, a list is a nice thing to have and to look at and to think about. But uh, yeah, I'd be busy planning your next vacation. The other thing is you never know if something's going to be there in, in 30 years or, or what it's going to be like. You know, every single year there's more and more travelers. The Chinese are traveling. There's millions and millions of people going around the world. So some stuff that used to be great 50 years ago, now it's just a mess because it, it costs so much money to get there and the hotels are expensive and you're in a huge crowd. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, just plan your next vacation. Have some places in mind or some ideas in mind. But, um, yeah, go a year at a time. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Daryl says here, Japan had been on my bucket list since I was a knee-high to a grasshopper. This year, purely by coincidence, my boyfriend's favorite band was playing their first show in five years in Tokyo. Four months later, I was on a plane heading straight to Narita. You know what's cool about that, Christine, is opportunity presented itself and he didn't really have to go, yeah, but the Galapagos are at the top of my butt. They were like, and we will seize that opportunity. Exactly. I, um, I keep this idea in the back of my mind, and I can't always stick to it, but it's, it's a driving force. Um, and it's say yes to travel. Yeah. And it's just, that's mm-hmm. exactly what he's doing. There. Just that. That simple as that. Exactly. And, 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 and a list, a list can be very restrictive, right? I mean, right. I, I, you could turn down a great adventure because you're so obsessed with getting to, to another place. I mean, Japan's not on my bucket list, but if someone said to me, hey, this great band is playing in Japan, you'll really like them, let's just go, that would be a fun reason to go to Japan. <laughs> I have a feeling, Seth, you and Christine, you basically, as would I, drop anything and go should the opportunity present itself anytime, anywhere, right? It's, well, it's, as, it's, as long as there's true. a story involved in it, you know, as long as there's a narrative, hey, let's go for this reason. Okay, great. Right. Jason says, does a trip with my wife and without my children count? Hashtag toddlers. Yes, it does. And uh, to the phones to Jeff in Eden Prairie. Hey, Jeff. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Discussion. Yeah. How are you thinking about this? Well, I, uh, I think sometimes when you're faced with your own uh, mortality, you think about dusting off 
your bucket list. I was a uh, cancer survivor at the age of 44 and mm. uh, had always wanted to go to Antarctica and ended up running a marathon in Antarctica, which was on my bucket list. Wow. Doing, doing that uh, all around the world in all seven continents. Is, but it, it wouldn't have been, had it not been for the cancer event that kind of opens your eyes, it says, you may not be here forever. You often just ignore those things. And I think that's the opportunity for all of us is to find some reason to find that child in yourself again and just go. Tell me what the experience of running the marathon in Antarctica was like. I can't even imagine it. Uh, It was kind of intense. Uh, It uh, ran on a lot of rocks, ran up and down a glacier. Uh, The only time I run a marathon where going down the hill, I decided to sit on my rear end and just slide uh, because it was a quicker (laughs) way to get down. Um, uh, Cold at times, but uh, yeah, it was a great experience. Wow. I'm so glad you called. And uh, that is a cool bucket list. Um, Christina, I want you to, I I read something interesting about this from Rebecca Mead in The New Yorker, and you might have seen this. She writes, the notion of the bucket list legitimizes this diminished conception of the value of repeated exposure to art and culture. Rather, it privileges a restless consumption, a hungry appetite for the new. And she kind of gives this example, I've seen Stonehenge, what's next? I, I think there's something to what she says. What do you think? Um, I agree. I think that sometimes, you know, going back and um, there's a there's a great um, quote by Nabokov that's um, <clears throat> basically in reading, you you don't really know if you like a book or not until you've read it two or three times, and mm-hmm. that's that's not something most of us have time to do. Right. But I think the idea the idea is an interesting one. This that sometimes you really need to go back to a place. Um, you know, in the case of travel, to really to really understand it, and um, you know, one of one of the great things about travel, I think, is that it also opens you up to being able to figure out where you want to return to. And I actually think that um, you know, an adventure list or a bucket list or whatever um, can peacefully coexist with this other idea, um, because I think that you know, a, a list that's bringing you to new, encouraging you to explore new places. Um, means that sometimes you find a place that you definitely you want to return to. You want to get to know better. You want to maybe spend, you know, a couple more days, a couple more weeks, even even longer. Um, I I went to Paris for the first time in, um, you know, in my teens, mm-hmm. and ended up in my mid twenties going back and living there for almost a year for that for that reason. It started out as you know a whim um, and basic curiosity, and it ended up being something that I that I connected with very deeply. And I think that it was one that really led to the other. You know, Seth, you must think about this, because I have this sense of there's a lot of the world that I'd like to experience and have experiences in, but I feel kind of so that I feel kind of guilty if I go back to the same place. And yet, Mm -hmm. I know that when we go back to to the same place, I know how to enrich those experiences. I f- there's a familiarity, and that helps to enrich the experience. How do, how do you uh, grapple with that? I mean, I, I think if you had asked me 15 years ago when I was not a travel writer, you know, what what would be on your bucket list? I'd say, well, I'd like to have a place that I can go to that's like a second home almost, that I mm. feel comfortable when I get off the plane, yep. that I know how to get into the city. And I, I did that. Uh, in my case, it's, it's Brazil. Um, I, I lived there for a couple of years, and now when I go back, it's a very different experience. It's, it's there's not that kind of same nervousness and, and learning curve uh, 
that's exciting when you go to a new place. On the other hand, how great is it to, to get on a plane for 10 hours, get off, and suddenly you have like 25 friends waiting to I know, to see. I know. Um, and you still, it's not like Brazil's this little, it's not like it's Liechtenstein, right? I mean, there's still a million <laughs> things I still need to see there, but because I'm comfortable there. Um, so, so yeah, I, 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 I agree. You do have to balance it, right? I wouldn't want to give up traveling everywhere else. And, of course, I have the opportunity to travel more than most people do. There's a limited amount of time people get to, tra- get to travel, so you've got to be careful about it. But certainly, if you go to a place and you love it, I would definitely recommend going back there and knocking something off your bucket list. That's what you need to do to make that happen. I like that. Seth Kugel is with us. He's a freelance journalist, travel writer. He writes the Frugal Traveler column for the New York Times. And Christine Sarkis is with us. She's a staff writer for Smarter Travel. And she gave us the idea for the show because she wrote a piece called Why I'm Ditching My Bucket List in Favor by the way, of an adventure book. So uh, you can share your adventures and your thinking about your adventures with your family and your friends. I'm asking you this morning to tell me what's at the top of your bucket list, but I also want to hear what it says about you. See, this is the part that I'm really interested in. You can tweet me the place you want to go. Have you thought about what it says about you, how it reflects your sense of adventure? you know, your sense of of accomplishment and curiosity. Christine, I want to throw that question at you. If you look back on your adventure list and your previous bucket list, what what does it reveal to you about you? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, so I actually just got back from one of my um, bucket list destinations. Um, Where? Uh, so Myanmar, um, which wow. is well Burma. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I was there because um, Avalon River Cruises just started an upper Irrawaddy River cruise, which basically goes to an, an unexplored corner of the world. So Myanmar is at this point sort of recognized as the second most isolated country on earth. Um, and the upper Irrawaddy is a part of it that sees very, very few tourists at this point. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was one of the best travel experiences of my life because it was full of these authentic moments of connection. Um, <clears throat> you know, I gave alms to monks at dawn on a dusty road along the river. I caught sight of um, endangered Irrawaddy dolphins. It was just, it was, and I think sort of what that says about me is um, that I'm, I don't know, it just, it tapped into this essential curiosity that I think drives my urge to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it did it in such an absolutely splendid way. It's also, by the way, it's a place that just by virtue of being so beautiful and so full of these incredible scenes, it can turn basically anyone into a world-class photographer. So n- noted. You know, I have to say, Christine, when I heard about those experiences, the alms at dawn, the catching sight of the, the, the pink dolphins, right? The Irrawaddy? Dolphins. Yeah, actually, I didn't get enough of a look at them to, to check color, but they have these these beautiful, you know how dolphins sort of come out of the water and yeah. go back in in a sort of Loch Ness Monster sort of way? That's that's what I caught sight of. And it was just, I mean, apparently there are only about 100 of them, so to see one is a pretty special thing. You know, I kind of hear, if I read between the lines, I hear um, how important serenity was to you, you know, maybe those moments of stillness to you on that trip. Absolutely. And I think that just a, this was my first river trip, um, so I can't compare it to others, but I think that there is something extremely serene about uh, using a, um, you know, a, a mild, slowly flowing river right. as your point of departure. 
Seth, what what would your the thing that's at the top of your list of your adventure bucket list? What what would it tell us about you? Um, maybe that I'm uh, well. It either will tell you that I'm 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 a bit reckless or that I'm unsophisticated <laughs> because there's no museums on my bucket list. There's no like I must see Rembrandt's original or whatever. Um, I would I would sort of like to travel across Africa on a bus or something like oh, that. Oh wow! Back of a pickup truck. Oh, um, and for for I guess part of the same reason that that Myanmar trip uh, sounds uh, appealing because this. So, as I said before, there's so many travelers everywhere in the world that going to a place that has very few other travelers is very appealing to me still. I mean, I, 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 I just don't like being surrounded by hundreds of people that are not from the place. And, and of course, you have to do that. And in Paris, you do that. And it's completely fine. And Paris is awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I like to, I just try to get away and, and, and escape in that way. And Africa is appealing to me. Well, getting back to this whole thing, because I took a bunch of classes on Africa in, in college, and I haven't really traveled that much there. So there's all these countries that I've like, thought about and read about that I'd like to get to. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I have to, I want to share this because I just came back from a trip and we went to a small island and the best experience we had came out of the fact that I was walking in a small village and these kids came out and were curious about me and invited us to their Christmas pageant at a church. (laughs) It was, I'm not kidding, it was the most uh, memorable thing we did in a trip where there were a lot of, you know, a lot of potential for memories. But those are the pictures that when I look back and those are the experiences that uh, I know we're really going to savor. So I, I, I can really hear what you two are both saying. Well, one thing I would say is is I would never, uh, you know, I'm Jewish, right? So I wouldn't normally go to church. I go to church everywhere I can think Do of going you? to church. You know why? Because uh, people are so nice in church. And at the end, you're always like shaking hands with people and saying, you know, God bless you or whatever. And then, I mean, I was just in Ecuador and, and I went to a church service and then I left and everyone started heading in the same direction. <laughs> and it was just before Christmas. And it turns out that all the kids were all dressed up. I didn't know why they were dressed up. And they all went to someone's house every day after church in really? December. They go to somebody's house and they you know, redo the, I mean, they, they do the sort of the Christmas story and blah, 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 and they get candy. So basically I was watching a bunch of kids get in line for candy <laughs> in a small town in Ecuador, and that was pretty cool. And, that was awesome. and believe me, going to church is not on my bucket list. But that is such great advice. You're right, because then you're getting right into the middle of the kind of fellowship that happens in church. You've got to put yourself in places where you're going to meet people and where they're hopefully going to invite you to things. And church is a great, well, just religious institutions in general are, are a great way to do that. Yeah, I, I want to say this, that uh, I got a tweet from somebody who says Easter he's going to Easter Island uh, for on his bucket list. And we were there a few years ago and we went to church. And again, that was one of the most memorable things that we did. So glad you reminded me of that, Seth. To the phones here to Pat in Minneapolis. Hi, Pat. Hi. Tell me how you're thinking about this. Well, I'm thinking about it from the point of view of the fact that I was doing a a master's degree in theology, and um, I kept saying, I really someday want to go to Jerusalem. And my husband gave me a trip to Jerusalem and Egypt. Wow. And that started me kind of on a quest for sacred space. And so I had gone to India, to Rishikesh, to an ashram, Mm. uh, went to the headwaters of the Ganges up in the top of a mountain, and uh, 
Greek temples. Uh, I went to Tibet. Wow. And, uh, and, 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 and have you found that, you know, this this quest for sacred space? I mean, those these are very different experiences, but they are fulfilling, you know, your what you've imagined that this would be like experiencing. Absolutely. I found that um, people of faith uh, everywhere uh, are searching for, you know, the type of inner peace that we that we want, and they all have ways to get there. And I found that that was one of the important things that I uh, realized on my many journeys. Where's your, where's your next place for sacred space going to be? Do you know? Well, I don't know yet. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Uh, Tweet me are, when you figure it out, will you? Yeah, I will, because, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's turned into a wonderful experience for me, and, uh, and I'm not finished with it yet. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Christine, what, what do you, I, I love the idea of you start out with a big idea, and then you're, and then you kind of order your, your adventure list. That's neat. I love this idea, too. And it actually ties in perfectly with what Seth suggested earlier, which is um, working, um, working up a list based on experience, right? Because that's essentially what, what the caller has done, right? Right. It, by, by the way, these sort of things also give you an excuse to get in there and get to know people. It doesn't have to be right. sacred spaces. It could be knitting, you know, or it could right. be... Uh, wine. A lot of people travel for for purposes of wine, but it, they end up in crazy great places. I mean, you can go to the Republic of Georgia. You can go to Oregon uh, with wine. Of course, you can have completely different experiences, but it gives you an in in those places. Hey, I want to know where the the best undiscovered vineyard is, and you ask ten people that, and you end up in some crazy corner of some crazy country you never thought you'd be. Let me grab a call here from Betty in Princeton. Hey, Betty. Hi. Hi. I know it's been a while. Thank you so much for waiting. <laughs> um, every summer, my daughter and I take one of my five grandchildren, only one of them is hers, um, on some kind of an adventure. Uh-huh. But this summer, we are planning to take all five grandchildren oh, boy. to Plymouth Village, Plymouth Colony in Massachusetts to visit the site of the Plymouth Plantation and the beginning of our family, or an ancestor of our family is William Bradford. So I would like my grandchildren to get a good grasp of part of our ancestry right? and also American heritage, um, American history. That sounds wonderful, and you know that's going to be an important experience for them. I hope so. The youngest right. one is six, and we're a little, you know, concerned about how he will remember, but I'm sure he'll remember parts of it. Well, you know, let me put that to Christine. Christine, how do you think about having kids? You said your son kind of started this whole thing. How do right. you think about that? Um, I think six sounds like a great age, and I think that um, the idea of kids traveling together with, you know, like a, just a pack of kids. Um, I think that, that that in itself is a memory. It'll be a memory for you. It'll be a memory for them. Um, and I think that starting kids early, and I think six is a, is a great age. Um, I'm looking forward to six. We're only at three and two so far. Um, <clears throat> but I think that showing kids the world early um, is such a, it's such a key to creating great future travelers. So you're, I think you're doing good work. 
Seth, do you have kids? I do not. Okay. So you uh, travel on your lonesome and you get to pick out whatever place that piques your interest. Yeah. But you know what? It's also, I mean, I usually travel by myself, but when I am able to travel with other people, it's it's great to follow their interests, you know? And, right. And, uh, it could be kids, it could be your parents, it could be your friends or whatever, but I actually get quite, I did I did a story uh, uh, a year or two ago where I basically put my trip in the hands of other people completely who had very different interests <laughs> and ended up doing some things I never would have thought I would, would like do. Like what? wouldn't have been on my list. Like what? Uh, went to sort of like a, a yoga-esque retreat kind of a place, for example. Uh-huh. Like that's something I did. We went to a lot of pottery places, <laughs> lot of pottery places. But you know what? The coffee cup I drink out of to this day came from came from that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Seth, would you do it again? Would you put your Would you put travel planning in the hands of others? Oh my God, I, I would do. I, I would love to do that because I spend so much time planning my <laughs> travels, and it, but they all be, come from my perspective. Like, oh, I'm always like, okay, let me go off to some little town that I've never heard of. Okay, that's fine. Let me, you know, go eat in this from the street, the street food order. I'd love to travel with someone, for example, that loves to go to great expensive restaurants, mm-hmm. because otherwise I probably wouldn't go. Yeah, does force you outside your comfort zone. Absolutely. And that and that is a good thing. And, and, and you wouldn't normally think eating at a great restaurant is a comfort zone, but your comfort zone is not that. No, it's not. In fact, because uh, I travel on such a small budget, that's kind of the idea of my column. Right. I've learned to actually not see expensive restaurants as I walk by them. I literally just, <laughs> as if they didn't exist. Christine, would you put your travel in the hands of somebody else? You kind of did that with your son, but you're going to make all the arrangements. Would you do that? Yeah, because I, I mean, this is part of the say yes to travel, right? If, um, and also I have, I have a pretty high, uh, what would I call it, like level of delight. Like I, I just, I rarely go to places, uh, regardless of what I think about them going into it, that I don't end up loving right. in some way. Right. So um, I think I have a lot of faith in um, sort of the interesting nature of the world. So I absolutely would. How, how did you put that? I, I have a high, le- no, you have a low bar for delight. Everything have, yeah, delights I'm just, you. I'm easily delighted. You know? <laughs> um, I think that's a great way to be. Yeah, it's it's useful, I think. Yeah. Um, and also just sort of keeping in mind that travel is this amazing thing that has the capacity to sort of alter our personal internal geography so in so many true. ways. Um, and that's that's the power of travel. And so I think if you can just open yourself up to it, uh, it's, you know, it's it's there. It's there to change you. Uh, somebody who tweets as Splando, which I love this, just tweeted me two photos, and I've retweeted this. Uh, he says, water skiing in the Duluth Harbor under the bridges among the ore boats. Likes to live dangerously. Crossed one off my bucket list. And uh, Mike says, can you add it after you've been there? Yes. Lisbon, Portugal for a week for work, but a stopover in London on return to visit friends. And to David in St. Paul. Hey, David. Hi. Hello. Hey. What are you thinking about? Well, um, I'm listening to the show. I'm, I'm loving the uh, conversation. There's so much of it is focused on travel. Yes. And I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to do a lot of travel myself. But it also reminds me that um, it's kind of a conversation about those with privilege and those with resources that yes, it are is. able to do that. And I think there's a lot of other things on bucket lists that um, ha- don't require that kind of resource. For instance, uh, my mother, and maybe it's just a goal, but she had started stitching a quilt when she was a teenager 
And her goal was to finish that quilt because she put it aside while raising family and having a profession to do that before she passed away. And she was able to get that quilt done. Another thing that she did was translate um, letters from her um, cousin in Norway, her uncle in Norway who lived under Nazi occupation. Now my on my bucket list is to word process all of that and put it into a book so that it can be shared by mm-hmm. others. That's a so great, I think there's things that don't idea. necessarily require a lot of money. Travel is great, but it's expensive. And um, I just thought that we needed to, or maybe it would be helpful to expand the opportunities on the list. Good idea. And the frugal traveler, I bet, has a thought about that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, and he's completely right, obviously. The, the percentage of people in the world who are able to travel to faraway places and go to the Taj Mahal or whatever is very small. Obviously, in my column, I try to make people realize that you don't, it's not, doesn't take as much money as, as you think it does. Um, and it is also true that many, many times more people today are able to travel than, say, 50 or 100 years ago when travel was truly an elite experience. But yes, I mean, there's so many things you can do. Uh, you know, in your own town, uh, in your own city, in your own region. Um, basically, one of my uh, series of travel is like any place can be really interesting um, if you open yourself up to experiences and talk to people. And I always suggest people practice traveling in their own city, especially in New York City where I live. Um, so I, I think it's a, a great point, and those of us who do get to travel definitely have to remember how lucky we are to be able to do that. Mary says uh, online, I had a small heart attack this spring. I didn't realize what I was doing until later, but I've booked five trips of varying lengths this year. I guess I feel I should stop putting things off. If I see something interesting, I just book it. Great airfare to Philly. Never been there. Let's go. It was great. And then Hugh and a number of other listeners are saying... I should mention the carbon footprint of extensive travel. It's a mixed message to have shows on travel. Then the next week, discuss how we can do our part to limit carbon emissions. Living locally should become a value of the future. Christine, I use carbon offset programs for air travel, and I wonder how what you think of those. You know, I I am in favor of them. I think there's I think a good thing to do is to look at there are so many different carbon offset programs, and there are also um, you know, the ways that they're offsetting carbon, some are more um, more or less effective. So yeah. I think it's a good idea to sort of look into them and figure out, um, you know, which companies are using which, um, which methods. <clears throat> but I absolutely, I think that, you know, for, for a long time, and I, this is something I, I don't talk about very much, but um, I struggled with whether or not to, um, it was probably a decade ago, uh, struggled with whether to remain a travel writer given, um, you know, the environmental ramifications. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think that it's, it's showing how big and small the world is at the same time that I think inspires both me and a lot of other people to um, know deeply that it's a place worth saving. That's a good way to put it. Seth, I was thinking, uh, and and this is how I, and maybe there's some rationalization to this because I do love to travel and I care a lot about climate change, but I feel like I understand issues for having been to Egypt and having, you know, having experienced other cultures. I want to find a way to be able to offset that as well. How, How do you wrangle with all of that? Well, I mean, it, it is very hard, and of course it's all about uh, priorities, but I, I have to agree that uh, the world would be 
better place. Maybe the United States would be a better place if more people had been to more of it and could right. see things that were happening all over the place. Now, how to how to offset that is, of course, you know, a very difficult question um, and something people have to basically make an individual decision about. But it's well, something people should be conscious about every time they get on a plane. What What do you think as a frugal traveler? I mean, what do you think of these offset? Do you think they're worth it? Um, again, if, if you've looked into the program and you know that it's doing what it says it's doing, then right. I, I think I think it is. But yes, I completely agree. Um, also, there is something to you know being a frugal traveler, quote unquote. It does it has a little bit less of, of a footprint. I definitely take fewer planes than people think I do. <laughs> I do a lot of travel by bus, for example, by local bus. Um, I do a lot of travel on my uh, by walking. Um, another thing you can do to uh, is, is go to one place for your whole vacation as opposed to flitting around Europe or whatever. And, I, and, I, and that's not only cheaper, but, uh, but is, is more environmentally uh, conscious. Uh, Seth, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to hear about your adventures. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on. Christine, love hearing the ideas that you came with us. Uh, send me more, okay? Love to have you on the show. Will do. Really great. Thanks a lot.